Good morning. We're going to invite the kids to make their way to Junior Church. And uh, this morning we're privileged to have Vance and Carol Johnson with us. Uh, Carol shared in Sunday school. I don't know. Are you going to share? No. Okay. (laughs) Vance and Carol have spent the last 31 years in the Philippines working with Reach Global. And they were here yesterday with our missions conference. And we put them to work again this morning. So uh, Vance, come and minister the word to us. Carol and I are really, uh, Carol is uh, my wife of 40 years. We just celebrated our 40th back in July, and that was uh, fun. And uh, we're just thrilled that God has chosen to use us, and we are especially grateful to you, the people of Chewila, who are one of our 20 supporting churches, and you have made it possible for us to stay in the Philippines this long time, and uh, we're just praying that God will raise up supporters for Carol. He already is, and will continue to do so as she continues the ministry there in the Philippines. And if you want to know more about that, she's got some materials up here in the front, and she'd be glad to talk to people about global fingerprints and supporting children and what the purpose of the ministry is there. This morning... We're going to be looking at why go. So send I you is a famous passage from Jesus' ministry. And uh, he gave it to us right at the end of his uh, time here on earth. We're going to be looking at How I learned about missions. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just now getting started, so that's this is great. You know, I grew up in Battleground, small town, not anymore. Well, not nearly as small as it was, but I grew up in a small town in western Washington, rural community. Mostly loggers, of course, that's no longer true either. And uh, but things, really, it's a long ways from anywhere. And I didn't travel a lot when I was a kid. I remember one time we went to Colorado. That was a real big experience. Went to see my aunt. That was an amazing time for all of us. Mom and Dad piled the five of us into their car and drove to Colorado. And then we came back and. You know, Oregon was about as far away as we got. You got to remember where I live. Oregon is 15 miles. So that was, you know, that was about it. Go down to Oregon Beach, that kind of thing. Maybe go up to Tacoma once in a while and visit friends. But that was kind of the extent of my travels. I didn't see a lot of the world. How did I get interested in going to the Philippines? How did I even think about leaving this country? I mean, there's a kind of a standard joke. If you know three languages, you're trilingual. If you know two languages, you're bilingual. If you know one language, you're American. (laughs) (laughs) And, And we don't need another language. And increasingly, the world is coming to English. I pity them for trying to learn this language. But, you know, it's just, it's a very big country. There's lots to see and do in this country. 
And Canada next door, especially this end of Canada, speaks the same language. And there's just a lot of room to move around in. Why would I be interested in, you know, going somewhere else? Well, there are several factors that entered in. And we're going to go on to the next one. Yeah. Go on to the next one. I'm sorry. Now I'm jumping you ahead. We're going to, the first thing, how did I learn about missions? And the first way was reading books. I'm an avid reader. I've always been an avid reader. I love to read. My mom got the bookmobile to stop in front of our house because she got tired of going to the library with me. And uh, in those days, I, she had to come along with me. And, uh, but I started reading a lot of books. And a lot of the books were about missionaries. And now we have something new to us, new to me. Uh, our younger generation just assumes it as the background. We have something called YouTube. Now, there are many things on YouTube that are not helpful. How to change your mass air filter thing. That helped me a couple weeks ago. You know, on my Buick, I just looked it up, and the guy showed me step-by-step step what to do, and it was great. He didn't tell me how to pay for the parts at the store, but it worked. But one of the things on YouTube that I would encourage you to consider, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, because there's a 20-minute video called Bad Lakes. Now, at first, that sounds terrible, but it's about somebody that I went to Bible school with. And this lady got polio when she was five years old, and she... Uh, had braces, and she, well, I should tell you, she's from Chatteroy. You know, I tell that most of my churches, they say, where? <laughs> of course, they say that about Chihuahua, too. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but Eleanor Young's her name. Maybe you've heard her speak somewhere. She's really short because of polio. And she went to Bible school. I remember one of the skits in Bible school, they pulled her in in a little red wagon, and she sat down, and her legs fit in that little red wagon. And she applied to go overseas with RBMU. And they accepted her, even with all of her challenges. I mean, she could walk, but it was very tiring, and she didn't want to walk very far. And she asked to be sent to Irianjaya. Irianjaya is an island south of where we live, where we lived in the Philippines. And it's really mountainous. My brother flew in helicopters on the Papua side, the New Guinea side. And basically, they had helicopters because nobody could build roads. And they were drilling for oil. And his helicopter was flying equipment and everything else out to the... They would lift platforms with two helicopters because it was so rugged you couldn't get there from here. And Eleanor went there. And 15 years she spent there translating the Bible into their language. The people called her bad legs as a term of endearment. They carried her in a chair when they would go out through the mountains. She's, it's just phenomenal. When she, she was called at a church meeting at their church, by, she felt the call of God on her life, and 
she went forward, and some of the people in the church were a little embarrassed. They said, well, Eleanor can't do much. She translated the Bible, at least the New Testament. Then polio came back on her, as it does sometimes later in life, and she had to leave. She's still living down in the Spokane area and is sharing her story and on YouTube. That's an excellent, professional done video. I encourage you to go look at it. But one of the ways I found out about missions was reading. Another way, which is the next phrase, as I talk to missionaries. Now, you've had that chance. People took good advantage of it yesterday. We talked to lots of people. There were many missionaries here, some across the water, some local. It was fun. I mean, the story about the Colville Pregnancy Center, that was precious. For her to see that 16-year-old girl that she had convinced the mother, well, in the power of the Holy Spirit, had convinced the mother not to have an abortion. And here's a 16-year-old that's exactly the age from when she talked to her mother. Now, we know what happened. That is powerful. That made me want to go down to the next crisis pregnancy center and volunteer. I don't know what I'd do. But Santa, I could hand out leaflets and things like that. I'm pretty good at blocking a sidewalk, but they don't like to do that too much. But talk to missionaries. Get to know them. We're people. We put our pants on. Yeah, one leg at a time, that kind of stuff. Now it's even harder. But finally, and this is the one we're going to do today, is look at the life of Jesus. Always Jesus is the center of everything. He's always the center of the story. He is even on our calendar, despite what they say about dating. It's still either Common Era or BCE, before Common Era. But what divides those two eras? Or what divides AD and BC? The birth and life of Jesus. It even divides our calendar, even to people that don't want to admit it. It's so funny. Over in Japan, they celebrate Christmas. Christians in Japan are about 1% of the population. But think of it. Even though they don't believe him, they still have Christmas. Now, they change it. Hello, panda, or whatever it Hello, kitty. There we go. Got the animals mixed up. But, I mean, it happens around the world. Even here in America, where people were supposedly post-Christian. Christmas is still a holiday. Last I knew, there was only one reason. I mean, people talk about happy holidays, all this. Why do we have it when we do? It's because we're celebrating Jesus. And Jesus is the example of a missionary. Someone who came to be with us. I mean, this is a powerful, the incarnation. He accepted carne, which is flesh in Latin. He accepted our body. He limit, voluntarily limited himself. Chose to experience our life. Chose to become like us and always accept sin. He became hungry. He was thirsty. He was born. He was a little baby. He experienced all that. 
You know, the one who made the... I listened to a song the other day. I thought it was powerful. The one who made the wood in the manger was born there. The one who made the animals was born there. It's powerful. He made the trees that made the cross he died on. He created the iron that made the nails. All of that. And he chose to come and be with us. We're going to look at a passage in John 20, verses 19 to 23. John 20, 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So send I you. That's an old translation. I am sending you. When did this happen? Well, it happened the first day of the week. Now, that's today. It's Sunday. But this was a very special first day of the week. It was Easter. Just earlier that morning, he had risen from the dead. And he goes to be with his disciples. And we know what they were like. They were afraid. I would have been too. They just killed my leader. They're going to come after me next. The doors are locked. They don't want to let anyone in. The Romans are merciless. They don't leave any stone unturned. They are not going to give up if they choose to come after them. Later, when they they take over Jerusalem after the rebellion in 66 AD, they crucified 200,000 people. So the Romans are not going to pussyfoot around. They're not worried about being politically correct. I mean, and and to an extreme, I'm not advocating we reduplicate the Roman style of doing things. But there was one reason Rome was in power, because it was in power. One governor described his territory as far as my spears will reach. That's how the Romans defined power and authority. It wasn't any kind of a democratic process. So they were afraid. They were in the upper room. It's the first day of the week. But in comes Jesus. No door opening. But he comes in. He's there with them. It's Easter. I tell you. Uh, living in the Philippines has been good for me about Holy Week. Well, the fact that I even call it Holy Week is Semana Santa. Uh, is because of living in the Philippines. And it starts with Palm Sunday. And unfortunately, in their tradition, 
the, the big events are over really early Sunday morning. They are more interested in Mary meeting Jesus than they are in talking about the resurrection. So Easter, all the stores go back to business. Everything kind of just goes back as it was. But our churches often will go to the beach, which in the Philippines is warm, sunshine. The water is your bathtub water. So it's warm and it's nice. And it's great to be there early in the morning before the sun comes up and gets hot. And pastors preach about the resurrection. And it's a new morning. And it happens to be in our island. You're facing east as the sun comes up. And it always comes up at 6 o'clock, just about, all year long. And so you're there. It's a new day. We're celebrating the resurrection. It's a beautiful day, usually sunshine. It's a great time to be with members of the church. They bring whatever food they have. It's always fish and rice. And, and we just have a great time. We bring spaghetti. So a little bit of variety to the diet. But it's just a blessing to be with people that have understood that Jesus rose. He rose again. And we share in that resurrection. What does Jesus tell them? That's the next thing we're going to look at. And really, we're going to jump right to the next slide. He tells them, peace be with you. Did they need to hear that? Yeah. The doors are locked. They are not peaceful. They're afraid. They're scared. They're worried. What's going to happen next? This guy made promises, and it looks like none of them are coming true. A couple of people had heard ideas. There were rumors going around that he wasn't dead. Some had seen the tomb, but not all of them. They were doubters. I probably would have been one of those. I'm not easily swayed. And then he tells them, peace be with you. The word he uses, peace, in Greek, it's Irene, but when he was speaking Aramaic, and he was probably going to use the traditional Jewish greeting, which is shalom. Shalom is when you wish blessing. It's, it's a word that conveys wholeness of life, grace, mercy, God's goodness. You're, you're asking God to bless someone when you greet them with shalom. And he greets them. Peace be with you. But he doesn't say it once. He knows they're people. They need to hear it more than once. Pastor and I were joking about teaching. You need to repeat yourself many, many times. You say it once, you haven't said it. And uh, Jesus knew that. And later on, in the same passage, those few short verses we read, he repeats it, peace be with you. Jesus knows our heart. He knows what we need. He knows we need to hear that peace. We need to hear that. Yeah, God really is here. And his peace is with us. And the other thing he tells them is, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's why we do missions. Jesus was a missionary. And we're following Jesus. Doesn't always mean going to another culture. Can. Often does. 
There's still a couple billion people that haven't heard the name of Jesus. So it's going to mean going to those cultures. And now it's getting harder and harder to get into those places. So it's going to even be more difficult than in the past. But praise God for what he's already done. He has sent us. Yesterday we talked about the great multitude in the book of Revelation and what it represents people from every language, tribe, nation, and and under the earth, uh, under the sun. Everywhere people are going to be part of that. So as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So let's go down the next slide and look at this. Peace be with you. It's a common greeting of the day. It comes from the Old Testament word shalom. The disciples needed it. And I already mentioned that. He repeated it two times. Paul uses it in all of his letters. Paul is always wishing peace. But then because Paul is speaking to two cultures, he often says grace and peace. Grace is what the Greeks say. Karis. There's some young ladies in the Philippines named Karis, and I love it. Because when you're saying their name, you're saying grace. You're pronouncing a blessing on them. Isn't that cool? Well, Irene is peace. So when you say, you know somebody named Irene, every time you use her name, you're pronouncing peace on her. It's, you know, people's names are important. It was, Paul uses it at the start of his letters. Peace and grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. It was a greeting, yes, but it was more than that. It was announcing God's blessing. In the next slide, I want to start talking about, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is what he's telling, even until this day, us. As the Father has sent me. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, in John 3.34, the first phrase, to do the will of God. Yeah, that's what we do. We go out, we don't do what we want, we do what God wants. We do that in our home, in our church. We pray for God to lead the leadership of our church. We pray for God to lead the leadership of our local community. Whether or not they're believers, the Bible says God has the king's heart in his hand. Whether the king acknowledges it or not, God still controls it. He still controls. And so I pray for the Philippines all the time. We've got a really interesting president right now. But God's still in control. And the believers still need to be encouraged. And I'm praying for them. So to do the will of God. That's one of the components of how the Father sent Jesus. The second thing, it's more of a reminder, is the night is coming. It's not going to go on forever. We read about the end of it. Maybe I should have preached these in reverse order. Uh, We read about the end of the story yesterday. And there is an end of the story. The lamb wins. Jesus wins. And there will be a great gathering, and we will worship God, and nothing will be wrong. Everything will be made right. 
I appreciated the songs we sang this morning and being reminded of that fact. But the night is coming. There is an end. My uncle, my great uncle, he's still alive, still very sharp. He's slowed down a little. He still does cabinet work. He's 99. <laughs> if only. First of all, I'm not that good with my hands. He's phenomenally gifted with his hands. He's 99 now. A really nice man. I've known him since I was a little boy. He became a believer at the age of 92. I mean, he was one of these men that was really nice. You know, you didn't say, oh, Uncle Uncle Ray, you shouldn't do you know, No, no. He had some habits, but they were not the kind that imposed on me. He was kind. He was gracious. He took me fishing, all these things. You know, we did things with his family. We went camping with them. His kids, even though he's my great uncle, his kids are about my age. So they were my cousins. They were the closest thing I had to relatives. That and my aunts, who are also my age. So uh, that we just that was who our relatives were on my mom's side. But praise God, even at the age of 92, you can still decide that you need Jesus. Night is coming. For him, night has waited a long time. I am so glad that he made that decision in 92. He went down to Arizona, got to know some people down in Arizona for the summer. I mean, for the winter. Who goes to Arizona for the summer? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he went down there for the usual reasons. Sunshine, you know, that kind of thing. He found Jesus. His kids are thrilled. I have a one cousin, one of his daughters, my age, born on the same day I am. We're really close. And she is a believer and has been for a long time. We started taking her to church because her family didn't go to church. So we started taking her to church with us. And she went to camp with us and church camp and things like that. And now her dad is a believer. She is so thrilled. She's waited 70 years. Well, not that long. She's not that old. She's waited 63 years. That's how long. That's, she's 63. I'm 66. God answered our prayers. But night is coming. And then another thing that tells us how God sent Jesus is John 12, 49. Jesus was sent with God's authority. We were reminded of that in Matthew 28 this morning. I have come with all authority. He comes with God's authority. And so when he commands us, God is commanding us, because he is God, but he has God's authority. And when we go, we go with God's authority. I go sit in government offices, waiting for visas, waiting for this, waiting, takes... Two days to get your driver's license renewed, and you used to have to do that every year. Now it's every three years. It takes two days. You go down one day, file all the stuff, and come back the next day to get your license. But sometimes if you change your, your address, 
then your license has to go to Manila, and then you may be 11 months in getting your license back, and guess what? In another month, you got to go do it again. <laughs> but I could sit in those offices and not get totally frustrated because I knew that God was in control. He was in control of what was happening to me. He was in control of what was that government office was doing. And I met many people that worked for the government that were very kind. It's just the system didn't work. But it was with God's authority that I was there. I knew I was in the Philippines, and I'd get in somehow, and we'd take care of a visa somehow, and everything was somehow, and it's kind of frustrating somehow. But God did provide. Jesus was sent with God's authority. In the next slide, we're going to start a, just a short review of what does this mean for us to follow Jesus. How would we describe how Jesus came? First, he came with acceptance. He came to the Israelites and accepted them. He accepted Judas. He knows. I mean, for me, somebody betrays me. I've not had this happen, really very minor things, but I didn't know it was coming, so at least it was a surprise. But Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, and he didn't kick him out. That is amazing to me. That is powerful acceptance. He accepted all of them with all of their foibles. He knew what Peter was going to do, didn't he? He knew exactly down to when he was going to do it by the exact minute. And he still accepted Peter and praised him. Gave him the keys to the kingdom. We can talk about that another day. But all of this was with his knowledge because he accepted them. He identifies with us. Identification. He comes to be with Hebrews. We're studying Hebrews in our Bible study. And we came across that passage where it says, and he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Isn't that powerful? He knows us. He knows all of our strengths, our weaknesses, everything we've done. And he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. That is powerful. That speaks to me every day. He came for the long term. Now, this is one that I'm still thinking about, and I advocate short-term mission trip. That's not my point. I'm not saying everyone has to go for 31 years. It took me longer to figure out what I was doing. But there is a sense in which Jesus could have, I mean, theoretically speaking, could have shown up on Palm Sunday and been resurrected on Easter. You know, he wouldn't have had to have been through the first 33 years. He knew all about that. He didn't have to know more about it. But because he came for the long term, he can tell us, as the book of Hebrews does, he was tempted in every way that we are. We don't have a God who does not feel. We do not have a God who does not know our experiences, 
Talk about walk a mile in my shoes. He walked 33 years in our shoes and experienced it all. Poverty, small community, living in the backwater, way off, away from Jerusalem. You know, what can ever come out of Galilee? What can ever come out of Nazareth? Nobody important is born there. Well, they got a little confused. He was born in Bethlehem. That's where David was born. But Nazareth was where he grew up, and that's where they knew him. Oh, what did they say? Oh, he's just those guys' brother. He's Joseph's son. He got a lot of putting down. But he came for the long term. And he's with us. We read it already. It was read for us this morning. To the end of the age. He's still here. Talk about long term. 2,000 plus years. And more. And counting. Go on and we can look at some more of the ways that he shows us how to do this. He was learning. Now, this one amazes me. It says that he grew up and matured. How does God grow up and mature? Now, as a man, yes, I understand that. But it says that he experienced that. Somehow. He went to the temple, talked to those guys, had really good answers, talked to them very carefully when he was just a boy. But he experienced the learning. He was with his mom. He learned how to carve stone or cut lumber, whichever you say he learned how to do. He learned how to work with his hands. How does the God who spoke the universe into being learn? I don't know. But he learned our experiences. He was humble. He was born in a small town. He never went very far. I mean, if you take a, a, a compass and go from where he went, it was a few days walk, not drive. He never saw much of the world, even less than I did. And I didn't see much of the world until I got older. He did not know lots of things. I mean, go lots of places. He didn't go to Rome and tell the Caesar, get out of there, that's my chair. He didn't go to Jerusalem and even do that. He was humble. Paul talks about that. He became humble and took on the form of a servant. That word servant is doulos. Probably in a less political correct era, we would have said he became a slave. He served. What did he do for his disciples? He washed their feet. And if you go around the country in we, we, in the Philippines, people wear flip-flops all the time. We call them chenilas. And you wear them all the time. And you know, when you wear those things, your feet are dirty. There's no getting around it. It wasn't like he was just doing it out of perfunctory, kind of a welcome, hello, handshake thing. No, it was needed. They had to wash their feet. He learned that. He served. Just another way of gathering in this humility. Jesus came to serve others. He did not come to be served. In fact, he, 
he tells his disciples that. We are not here to be served, but to serve others. And then in conclusion, I have three left. What does this mean for us to follow Jesus? He suffered. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. But there are people who are suffering for their faith even today. Fortunately, we are able to sit in this lovely room and enjoy each other's presence. And I praise God for this country. And I praise God for the ability it gives us to serve him. But there are people who are suffering. There are people who do not find it easy to follow Jesus. I, um, Filipinos go to work in Saudi Arabia a lot. And one of the things when they go there, first thing they want to do is find out where all the other Filipinos live. That's just how they are. And sometimes they go there and find out about Bible studies. Now, in Saudi, that's not good. That's not good. You can get your head removed for that kind of stuff, especially if you start talking to a Saudi citizen, citizen of Arabia. You're, that's just not good. One lady, her brother was beat up because they thought he was trying to bring Bibles into the country. He wasn't, but he couldn't say anything. And he was a member of the Philippine Foreign Service. So it wasn't, they weren't just beating up a common citizen. They were beating up someone, a member of, that was going to go work on the consular staff. It's serious. It's real. Jesus suffered. We don't have to ask why people have to suffer. All we can say is, Jesus, look what his son did. Doesn't mean we have to do it. We don't have to go reduplicate what he did. But if we are called to suffer, we accept it because we are not better than Jesus. He did it with perseverance until the end. He didn't quit. I'm telling you, I get lonesome over in the Philippines at times, and I get frustrated. And man, I would like to just pack a suitcase and come home. There were several things that kept me there, one of which I knew it cost a lot of money to come back home. But more importantly, I would have to face two ladies in our home church, Elizabeth Whitney and Marguerite Woolridge. They're both passed on. Elizabeth lived until she was 100. Mark could still quote scripture, you know, on and on and on and on. Her husband never became a believer. She prayed for him and waited for him. But I could just never go back and tell that lady, oh, I got tired and quit. Or I gave up and quit. Those two ladies were contributing to our support. I couldn't go back and tell them, well, I just got discouraged. I did get discouraged, of course. I got really discouraged a lot of times. But knowing that people were praying and caring for us, just yesterday we met a lady who told us that she's praying for our family, and she mentioned several of our children specifically. Oh, it just, I just felt a weight leave me. Because our kids are not perfect. They struggle. And it was just neat to hear her talk about praying for our kids specifically. 
Finally, and this is the one that goes without saying, but we need to include it, love. Jesus came because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I remember talking to a dear gentleman, Bob Vermey Sr. Uh, Bob Vermey Jr. was a missionary in Japan for a long, long time. But his dad was also a missionary in Japan for a long, long time. And I remember one time he was going to Japan on a visit. And I said, well, who are you going to go see? And I thought I'd hear about his grandkids. Hey, you know, that's who I'd talk about. He said, I'm going to see my Japanese friends. I just, wow. Yeah. And right then, I'd never been to the Philippines. That's what I wanted. I wanted Filipino friends, people that I loved and cared for deeply. And I would want to go see them. Of course, he wanted to see his grandkids and his son, who wouldn't? And he loved them dearly. But the first thing came to this man's mind was 20 years of serving with Japanese in the churches because he loved them. In closing, when we think about So Send I You, I want, I'm going to give you an assignment. Remember, I'm a teacher. So... Uh, these are take-home. In the Philippines, you don't call it leftovers. You take it. Bring house. So this is your take-home, the things you take with you. First of all, watch Bad Legs on YouTube. It's 20 minutes. It's professionally done. It's not one of those crazy ones where the camera's bouncing around and you get, it makes you seasick. It, it is really well done. And, and Eleanor is everything that that thing portrays her as. I can tell you that. And then, if you want to, come talk to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. We will never, never be able to uh, express how much that means to us. We thank you that he came, that he lived with us, that he died for us, and that he rose again, and that he's coming back. We never want to forget that picture in Revelation of the multitude worshiping with everyone else, the Lamb and the God and the Father who is on the throne. We thank you for that. But even now, as we continue on, we accept your commission on our lives, that you have sent all of us, some far, some near, some just next door. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to give us the power to be persevering and to love people that we don't even know. In Jesus' name.